Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. ahead and read Isaiah chapter 42, and it's verses 1 through 9. It says, here's my servant whom I support, my chosen one in whom I take pleasure. I have placed my spirit on him. He will make just decrees for the nations. He will not cry out or shout. He will not publicize himself in the streets. A crushed reed he will not break. A dim wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully make just decrees. He will not grow dim or be crushed before establishing justice on the earth. The coastlands will wait in anticipation for his decrees. This is what the true God, the Lord, says. The one who created the sky and stretched it out. The one who fashioned the earth and everything that lives on it. The one who gives breath to the people on it and life to those who live on it. I, the Lord, officially commission you. I will take hold of your hand. I protect you and make you a covenant mediator for people and a light to the nations to open blind eyes, to release prisoners from dungeons, those who live in darkness from prisons. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not share my glory with anyone else or the praise due me with idols. Look, my earlier predictive oracles have come to pass. Now I announce new events. Before they begin to occur, I reveal them to you. Amen. I am reading Psalms 89, uh, 20 through 29. So, um, I have found David my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him. My hand shall hold him fast, and my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not be able to do him violence. The son of wickedness shall not hurt him. I will smite his foes before his face and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will give him dominion over the sea, and with his right hand shall he rule the rivers. He shall say to me, You are my father my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. I'll be reading Acts 10, 34 to 38. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout Judea, beginning with Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus is of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to read to you Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 7 through 11. It's where we're going to spend most of our time today uh, in, our, in our time together remaining. It says in verse 7, In Mark chapter 1, he proclaimed, One more powerful than I am is coming after me. I'm not worthy to bend down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. 
And a voice came from heaven, You are my one dear Son. In You I take great delight. Lord, we thank You today that we can hear Your Word. That we can read Your Word. That we can inwardly digest Your Word. Lord, may we be encouraged today by Your Word. May You uplift us and give us freedom today. Give us victory today. And enlighten us, Lord, and empower us and renew us, Lord, today by Your Word. It's in Christ Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you today about uh, uh, diving deeper into uh, the depths of heaven. And, and while we're getting our hearts and minds ready for that, um, can we just uh, offer a hand of appreciation to all of our volunteers today for all that they do uh, today? Amen. We have people who are serving now, preparing for our second go at food uh, this morning. Um, our first fruit Sundays are full of celebrating. Uh, we celebrate uh, Jesus. We celebrate each other. And we do so uh, by uh, sharing breakfast together. And then uh, after this service, we're also going to have food in the, in the hub where you got breakfast. And so you're more than welcome to, to join us for that as well. It's a community uh, meal, and so we want everybody to come that's willing to come. But we also have people that are just diligent in trying to uh, keep things going here, and so we appreciate all of you who did that yesterday for our breakfast and Bible study. Those of you who uh, did it throughout the day in preparation for today, and for those who are actively engaged right now, um, we appreciate them and we honor them today. Uh, we know they're not doing it for that, but that's the reason why we want to recognize them today. And so I think it's important for us to to celebrate them today. Um, so in the text that we just read, Mark chapter 1, uh, we see this scene uh, being portrayed uh, about Jesus and about John. And so it got me thinking about John the Baptist. You guys ever wonder why John the Baptist didn't write a book in the Bible? You ever wonder why he didn't write a book in the Bible? Then the first service, people were like, well, it's because he died. I was like, well, that's a good point. He didn't live long enough to write a book. Um, so some said that uh, he, uh, his, his purpose and his mission was to prepare the way for Jesus, not to, to be the one that people saw. Uh, and so he was very apt at getting away, right? Um, <clears throat> I think it's probably because he was too busy with the original streaming service at the Jordan River. <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am a father. So I have to throw those out there to remind everybody that I'm a dad joke, right? Um, now, as we reflect on, uh, as we reflect on Mark's gospel uh, this morning, I think we can witness something profound, and that is Jesus as the door to opening heaven. That's a profound truth that this text reveals to us, and I think through his baptism, we see the Scripture revealing to us that He's launched into public ministry. And the sign of the Holy Spirit converges on Him as He connects heaven and earth. Now I want us to pause for a moment and think about that. What, is it, what does it look like? What, how, does, how does that even mean? Like, what does that mean that Jesus is the one that connects heaven and earth? Well, the Scripture reveals to us, uh, and Jesus Himself affirms this with His own words, that Jesus is the door. Right? Jesus said that in John 10, that He is the door. If you come in to Me, then you will have rest. I will give you rest, right? He says, no one gets to the Father except through Me. He's the door. And, and one of the things that we uh, need to identify today that I think is important for us to focus on for this year, and more information that we will talk about as the year goes on, is that... Uh, this, this year in the, in, the, in the Hebrew calendar, in the Jewish calendar, which uh, started at the Rosh Hashanah, uh, it's the, you know, the head of the year, but it's 5784. And uh, what scholars have done in using the Paleo-Hebrew and the pictographs that are connected to that, uh, they have connected not only this year that we're in, right? Because obviously we just, in our calendar system, we just celebrated the new year, but uh, in September is when uh, the head of the year uh, was in the, in the Hebrew calendar. And so there's been a few months of them already being in this new cycle. But this year that we find ourselves in, 
is a jubilee year. Um, most of the time when people uh, think about the new year, we often quote Isaiah 61, 1 and things like that. But one of the things that we see uh, in this season is that we are actually in a jubilee year. Uh, and we've studied the significance of that. It's a year uh, of liberation, a year of freedom, a, li- a year of deliverance, a year of setting the debt clean and coming back and being renewed and being restored. And so uh, what scholars have done with that in mind is that they've just simply taken the pictographs, the images that depict uh, the numbers in the Hebrew alphabet, and they have categorized this year as the year of the open door. That this year is the year of the open door. Now that isn't, you know, fortune cookie wisdom. That's, that's just people, people taking the letters and the numbers in the Hebrew alphabet, and they've been doing it for years, right? And they've been, they've been putting meanings to them, right? And so this is the year of the open door. And so this text is a powerful reminder to us about why that even exists. Why is there an open door to heaven in our lives today? Because of Jesus. Jesus is the one that made a way for us to converge heaven and earth. Now there are moments in our lives today as believers where we experience what that would even look like. Heaven and earth together. I mean, we have a glimpse of like something outside of our capacity to understand, something ethereal, something supernatural, but heaven and earth together. We get glimpses of that. When we gather together to worship and break bread together and to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers, in that moment we have a communion with each other. We have a communion with all those around the throne and we commune with Jesus. And it is a convergence of heaven and earth. It's not a full experience, but it gives us a glimpse of what is to come. And it's why it's so wonderful when we gather together because it invites us to see that reality. So I don't want that fact to escape you today. That Jesus is the door that connects heaven and earth together again. He is the one that gives us access to the Father. And so to do that, we want to think about, in thinking about this truth, uh, I want to give you an acrostic, something to think about that goes with Mark 1. And that is the reality that Jesus was open to the ministry and the mission that God had for him to accomplish. We know the Bible says that he came to seek and to save those that were lost, to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. He came to establish the kingdom of God. So Jesus was open. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now we know right after this moment, he was drawn into the wilderness and he was tempted. And then after that moment of him being in the wilderness, he began to say certain things. And one of the things he would say is, behold, the kingdom of God is now. It's here. It's at hand. It's here. It's near. He was going about the business of establishing the kingdom of God. And ironically, in probably the most nuanced, interesting twist of events, he invited us to help build the kingdom of God as well on the earth. Now, if there's ever a head-scratching moment, you're like, okay, like, why would you ask us to help you when we are the ones that often cause the most trouble here on earth? And we need you to help lead us and It's the fascinating particularity of our Creator that He chose to use individuals. He chose to use a particular person from a particular tribe in a particular way for a particular reason so that a particular group of people would be set apart for Him. And that openness and that continuation of that covenant was afforded to us through Jesus so that all of us now who profess faith in Jesus are grafted into the kingdom of God. We have an opportunity to walk as children of God, to be a part of that particular group of people. Now, if you look around the room, you can probably see some particular people, right? Some might even say peculiar, right? All of us are unique in our expression, right? If you looked around and everybody looked the same, everybody walked the same, everybody talked the same, and, and it, w- it would probably be a little off-putting, right? You'd be like, what, a bunch of weirdos, right? You'd be like, you know. We're not, we are not that way. In fact, 
One of the ideals and purposes that we feel like that we have as a church is to be real people showing real love from a real God, right? Now, we need all three of those, and we, we've spent a great deal of time, and we do, championing all three of those ideals. We want to be real people showing real love from a real God. So we know everybody's different, and we celebrate that. We celebrate our uniqueness and what we bring to the table. But that makes us, if we understand what the Scripture says, it makes us the body of Christ. It makes us individuals who are tasked with building the kingdom if we profess faith in Jesus. And so as much as Jesus was open for the mission ahead of him, I want to challenge you today to see whether or not you're open to what God is leading you to do today in your life. And so his purpose was to seek and to save those who were lost. How did he accomplish this mission? I think the first thing we see in the text is obedience. Obedience. Jesus was obedient to what had to be done. He stepped into the public ministry by first humbling himself and being baptized. What does baptism symbolize? Baptism symbolizes renewal. It symbolizes a washing away. It was connected, certainly in that time, uh, for the believers. It was connected to uh, the, the ceremonial mikvahs that, would, that would, 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 would cleanse the people so that they could access God and so that they could walk into the temple. And so when John was walking around baptizing people, he was purifying them and he was telling them to prepare themselves for the work ahead. And so Jesus humbled himself, although he was sinless, he humbled himself and, and went through this process. And his decision to be baptized by John reflects his obedience to God's will. If you and I are ever going to accomplish the work that God has for us, we are going to have to be obedient. And that's hard sometimes, right? Because as we know, at times, obedience requires us to, to, to walk in faith without understanding what's in front of us or without understanding how we're going to get to the next phase. All we're called to do is just trust and obey. Now, it doesn't mean that He doesn't provide for us. It doesn't mean that He doesn't reveal to us uh, His plan. And it and, and doesn't mean we can't have assurance and faith and confidence that he's working in our lives, it just means that at times obedience is difficult. At times it's hard to obey. And so for us, if we're thinking about Jesus' openness, that he was open to the mission that God had for him, and that first started with him being obedient, how can we follow Jesus' example of obedience in our daily lives? What is God telling us to do? What is God calling us to do? What open doors is He providing for us? Remember, this is the year of the open door. God wants to give you victory. God wants to set you free. God wants to bring healing in your life. But what's it going to take? It's going to take obedience. It's going to take me having the courage to put down what I think and what I want and all the things I'm doing and just walk in Him. Jesus reveals that truth to us. And I believe that's a pattern that we see for us to walk through the open doors that God has for us, we need to be obedient. And so obedience is the first one, but secondly, we see the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through and around Him in visible, tangible ways. The power of the Holy Spirit. See, as Jesus emerges from the water, the heavens open up. Can you imagine that? I mean, they open right up. Right? We, we bought um, the kids a gift for Christmas, and there's like this little magnetic um, device that you can put in front of this little, little trap door. And when, you, and when you put it in front of it, it, it flies open, right? It's kind of cool, right? Because you don't, you don't know when it's going to happen. It's like, wait, wait, wait. Whoo, and then like, it slams open, right? It's like the jack-in-the-box almost where you're like, but this creepy thing doesn't pop out. It's just, just the scenery, right? But can you imagine that scene? I, I was talking to the 9 o'clock uh, service and I was talking to him about the moments that I reflect on what it would look like if God opened the heaven, opened the heavens up. Uh, and I often think about it when I'm driving in an open roadway, whether it's the interstate or some roadway, and the sun's out, but it's not super bright, right? The clouds are kind of covering the sun a little bit, and there's just such texture and depth to like light and darkness. And, and you see like with such vivid imagery that uh, you know, man, I could never get this kind of picture 
on a 4K TV. I try, but it doesn't compare, right? They've yet to replicate the kind of depth that the human eye can see, even ones that don't see clearly uh, as well as they, they could. So when our eyes get a glimpse of the beauty of God's creation, I often wonder, man, what would it look like if God just, just split the heavens up and just like, yellow, right? He'd be like, <laughs> right? We, we would be like, we would fall like under the, can you imagine in that moment, Jesus is coming up out of the water. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove and God begins to bring affirmation. What was that signifying to us? It was signifying to us that Jesus is the door that connects heaven and earth. He is the one that brings it all together. In Jesus, there is no broken communion between God. There is no separation. In Christ, we are one. In Christ, we can walk in unity and communion together. And so as Jesus emerges from the water, the heavens open up and the Spirit descends on Him like a dove. Not only is this symbolizing the empowerment of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but it's also, again, it's connecting us to this reality. That God's Holy Spirit empowers us to accomplish the mission that God has for us. Jesus, while He was on the earth, although He was fully God and fully man, did everything on the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? And the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. Right? It's no wonder why uh, the uh, citizens in Antioch wanted to try and shide believers and followers of Jesus by calling them little messiahs. And I'm sure that Christians were like, yeah, of course we are. We have the Spirit of the living God living inside of us. The same Spirit that raised... Imagine them saying, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. You can call me what you want. But I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been born again. I'm, I, I, I know His energizing Spirit is breathing the breath of life into me again. Right? So this idea of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives is profound because if we are going to walk in the way that God wants us to walk, we need God's energizing Spirit. And so I want you to think about that for a moment. What does it look like? In what ways do we seek and recognize the Spirit's power in our lives? Because, you know, it's everywhere. Not only does God's, did God's Spirit hover over the chaos of this world and begin to bring order, but He does the same thing in our lives as well. He takes all the chaos and He brings it into order. Right? It's why Jesus could uh, sleep while storm's raging. <laughs> Right? It's why he woke up and said, are you guys worried about this? Stop! And then he, like, then, he went back, then he went back to sleep. There can be peace in the midst of the storm. And how do we receive that peace? It's, it's a work of the Spirit. It's a supernatural thing. And so what evidence and how can we see the Spirit of God moving in our lives in tangible ways? I think if we take time to think about that, we'll be blown away at the reality that He's everywhere. Um, even in the very name of God, right? The yod heh vav heh right? When you put the vows to that, that we, that we have seen through the Masoretic influence of the Hebrew language, the, the yod heh vav heh the word Yahweh literally uh, is an example to us of the breath of life that is within us. When you breathe in the breath of life and you exhale, you are literally breathing in the breath of God and breathing out the breath of God. I'll prove it to you. If you just take the name Yahweh and you go... You are literally breathing in the breath of life and breathing out the breath of life, but you, it's the presence of God. His energizing spirit spoke and put everything into existence in the universe. So if you want to look in the mirror and you want to, uh, to believe uh, that there's something special and something unique about you, if you want to cling to that truth, I can affirm to you today there is something special and there's something unique about you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were knit together by an almighty God who breathed the breath of life into you. And that's why we are called to image Him by how we live, by being human. We are called to live for Him. So the power of the Holy Spirit works in our lives in a powerful way. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to move. I cannot function the way I need to function if it wasn't for God's Spirit in my life. Sometimes it is a, a restrainer, right, that holds us back. Sometimes it launches us. Sometimes it reveals things to us. The Bible says it guides us into all truth. It affirms in us and it pours into us gifts to use for the building of the kingdom, to use for God's glory. 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Jesus was showing us that example. And so in what ways do we seek and recognize the Spirit's power in our lives? If we're going to be open to what God's called us to do, we need to be obedient. We need to be empowered by the Spirit. But we also see an endorsement from heaven. Number three. An endorsement from heaven. The voice from heaven proclaims, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Now this divine endorsement affirms Jesus' identity and mission. And why was that important? Why was it important for Jesus to be identified as the Son of God? Well, if He was just a teacher, if He was just a good man, if He was somebody that, that led uh, people for you know, the three and a half years that He was in public ministry, and His disciples learned a lot from Him, and, and people wrote down some of His stories, I think we can say with a, with a high level of certainty that none of us would know who Jesus was today. Unless you spoke, you know, Aramaic or Greek or some of these ancient languages, you could say you know, there was a time where people thought this individual was the Messiah, but he was just a man, right? Because people would have written down some of those stories. But the fact that they were, it was revealed to them that he was the Son of God, and the fact that that truth permeated their hearts is why they did not love their lives unto death that they would they would gladly look into the flame and say you know what i know that my god lives and that he's able to overcome every force of evil that comes against me that what happens in this life is just temporary so i do not fix my eyes on the things of this world i fix my eyes on the things of god because i know that he is the son of god See, that's different when we begin to connect to who God is, who Jesus is, right? When we understand that he's our king of kings, he's our Lord of lords, he's the alpha and the omega, he's the beginning and the end, he is the one who pioneered all of this, and he is the one that is giving us victory in our lives. So how does knowing Jesus is God's beloved son impact our understanding? I think it brings depth to what he's saying. You see, the Bible tells us Something fascinating happened when Jesus came to earth, when he was born in the flesh, when he took on flesh. It says that God came to us. That changes things. It changes things because no longer are we going to him. It says he tabernacled among us. That changes things. Again, it it's inviting us to see that God was affirming him as his son. And that launched him into public ministry, which is why after he went from the wilderness and began to proclaim the kingdom of God, he did so with authority because he was the son of God. And that was his mission, to seek and to save that which was lost, to establish the kingdom of God. But what did it do? It brought new beginnings. If we're going to follow what God's called us to do, we need to be obedient, empowered by the Holy Spirit, recognize that God will affirm us with His love, but we also need to recognize that He will renew us and there will be times of new beginnings. Jesus, in this moment, signifies the start of His public ministry. But what else is He doing? He is inaugurating. It's the inauguration of a, of a new era of God's relationship with humanity. It changes things. When Jesus came to the earth and began his public ministry and began to establish the kingdom of God on the earth and began to preach the gospel truth, it changed things. Again, John 1.14 says that he literally came and tabernacled among us. He came and dwelt among us. That changed the relationship between God and humanity. For years, and many religions still, still teach this, that you have to go somewhere to engage with your with, with some higher power. Right? In the Old Testament, we saw that. In the, in the early stages of the New Testament, we saw that dynamic. They had to go to the temple. They had to go to the tabernacle. They had to go to these places to, to meet God. But the text is intentional in describing the angel of the Lord that hovered over the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where the presence of God was, came and tabernacled among us. We no longer have to go to Him. He came to humanity, humbled Himself, took on flesh so that you and I could have a shift in our relationship. You don't have to worry about where God is. God is 
God is here today. God is here. Again, remember I told you in the beginning, if there's, what we want you to understand today is we want you to feel God's presence and we want you to experience His power because He's here with us today. So it's the inauguration of a new area of God's relationship. And in thinking about that, I want us to think about another question. What new beginnings can we embrace in our spiritual journey as we think about God's pattern through Jesus' baptism? What shift, what, what, what change is God trying to uh, prepare in us? We know that during this season, during this time, people are often uh, taking it as an opportunity to, to, to do new things and to try something different, to, to take the, the changing over the calendar as a way of looking forward and not looking back anymore. And so it's, a, it's fitting for us to think about what Christ did when He came and what His baptism and His public ministry and what His mission on earth was to establish for us. It was a new beginning. It was a change that something was going to shift, that He came to set the captives free, to bring liberty to those that were in bondage, to bind up their wounds and to bring healing. He came to do that, which is why when He read that passage in Isaiah 61 in the tabernacle, He told them it was fulfilled that day. And then He did something crazy again as He commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to continue to proclaim the kingdom of God. What is God telling you today that He wants you to do? What open door is before you? That's going to require obedience. That's going to inquire, uh, require God to empower you to do it. What's it going to take for you to, to trust and to continue to walk in the affirming love that He is revealing through His Son to you and in you so that you can continue to go to the next phase? For some of you, it might be healing. For some of you, it might be victory over, over something that you've battled. For some of you, it might be letting something go that's plagued you for too long. For some, it might be a new, a new form of ministry, something new that God's launching in you and wants to, to, to a growth opportunity that He wants to take you in this year. Whatever it is, if we're going to be open to what God has for us, then we need to be willing to walk the steps that we need to walk. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Aiden, if you want to put that uh, conclusion slide up, I want you to think about this image for a moment as we ponder today. The baptism of Jesus uh, is a narrative that we see seamlessly intertwining uh, humans and divinity. Right, He is the door that connects the supernatural and the natural uh, together again. It's interesting that when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, uh, they put guards to, to prevent them from going back into the entrance. Right? But then when Jesus came and made a way for us to get back to the Father, He is the door that gives us access back into the presence of God. It's always been a door. It's always been a door. Trees have always been so significant, right? Most trees and signify those moments of entry, right? If you study trees, in the, and I'm not talking, telling about go do some tree-hugging studies, <laughs> but if you study trees like the oaks of Mamre, and things in the Bible. It is a fascinating connection point that brings us to where Jesus Himself says, I'm the door. I'm the one that's going to get you through. Right? There's a door to life. There's a door to death. If you come in to the door that I'm opening for you, you will have rest. You will have victory. So it intertwines this connection of humanity and, and divine. It reveals Jesus' identity as the Son of God and it marks the beginning of His mission to bring salvation to the world. And so I want us to think about this picture for a moment. As we look at this picture, we kind of see uh, a kind of a tranquil scene. Um, if you've ever watched any Bob Ross uh, paintings, it kind of has a Bob Ross feel. There's not, not, not enough trees in there, but, but you get the point. Um, all of us can remember those moments, right? But I want you to think about this painting and I want you to focus on the river. Because this river is flowing through a serene landscape. Now, one part of the river, if you look closer, at one point you see uh, the water's calm. It's undisturbed. And that symbolizes our lives before encountering Christ. See, one of the characteristics of uh, true baptism and real uh, connection through the ceremonial uh, bathing of the vigmas is that it needed to be living water. It couldn't be stale, stagnant water. right? It wasn't as if you could get into something that had, didn't have a flow. It had to have outside flow to it. Something had to be, a stream had to be going. 
And so when Jesus uses language about him being living water, he's connecting to that reality, that understanding that uh, in order for you to be renewed and you to be revived, it needed to be living water. Because that's what brings life. And so we see this moment of, uh, you know, empty, undisturbed, calm. But then if you go down a little further down the river, you see things start to get a little different. I think what that reveals to us is that when the water becomes vibrant and dynamic and light shining down from above and touching the surface, it kind of connects to uh, the transformative power of what Jesus does in our lives. That he takes us from a place of deadness and brings us to a place of vibrancy and a place of life. That we can say, you know what, I was, and Paul does, right? I was dead in my sins. You were dead in your trespasses. But now we are alive in Christ. We are alive in him. And so the light shining down from above, touching the surface, is a beautiful connection that we see that the waters of the Jordan being stirred and blessed by Jesus' baptism signifies to us the moment that we have to, to connect to when God's presence comes into our lives. So I want you to think about this river. The river flows onward, right? It's enriched, it's enlivened, and it symbolizes the new path of those who follow Christ. So what is the new path? of those who follow Christ. I believe it's a journey of obedience. If you're going to do what God's called you to do, it's going to be a journey of obedience. Right? My children will often say after doing one thing good, am I being good today? And I always say, I always say, hey baby, that you're doing great, but we got to, you know, we got to stay with it. <laughs> right? Um, because as soon as you do one bad thing, it kind of confl- it kind of messes things up a little bit, right? There's grace there, but it kind of changes the ratio. So the idea of being good, uh, you're a good kid. We know that God has called you, but are you making good choices right now? We'll see, right? We've got we to gotta just let the day play out. But they think in their minds, if I do one good thing, then it's good, right? Um, that's, not what, um, that's not what a life that is understood to be a journey looks like. It's, hey, you know, I messed up today, but I'm going to try my best to keep going forward. Right? I don't always make all the right choices. I don't always make all the right decisions, but it's a journey of obedience. So sometimes I disobey, but I realize I humble myself and I get back on the path of obedience and I keep on with the journey. It's a journey of obedience that's empowered by the Spirit. I know that God is with me. I know that the breath of life is energizing me and is helping me and is leading me and guiding me. If I profess faith in Jesus, then the Bible says that the Spirit of God has come into my life and has regenerated my heart to believe, and I am walking in the Spirit. And as God begins to do that, He will reveal things in me. He will empower me to accomplish His will. He will pour out His gifts and His wisdom and His revelation on me through the Holy Spirit that will lead and guide me into all truth as I'm walking this journey of obedience. And while doing that, He's going to affirm me in His love. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we are God's. You want to know if you are living in a way that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord? Live for Jesus. What does it look like to live for Jesus? Stop trying to live for Jesus and just live for Him. Right? Some people are like, you know, I'm just trying, man. What does that even mean, right? Right? Either you, either you is or you ain't. Right? <laughs> trying is something that we all like, you know, we try to, um, to, you know, put that ball in for birdie, right? But we're still golfing, right? We're still, whatever you call it, we're still doing it, you know what I mean? We're still doing things, right? So if we're calling ourselves a follower of Jesus, we profess faith in Jesus, then we are living for Him. That means we don't live for ourselves anymore. The Bible says we've been bought with a price. So we honor Him. So what does it mean to live for Him? It means to not have to change who you are when you go outside these doors. That you live for Him everywhere you go. That you've built your life on Him. That He is not just something that you add to your life. That He is your life. And everything you do is an outflow of that. And that's a natural causation. It's where we talk about the differences between extrinsic and intrinsic oriented faith. And so in this Jubilee year, 
My hope and prayer is, is that we recognize the open doors that God has given us. And we recognize that Jesus is the one that is providing that open door. Jesus is the one that is giving us the opportunity to walk in victory today. And may we have the courage to walk through the open door provided for us through Christ. Aiden, if you want to put that last slide up this morning, I want to just keep this up here for us to, to ponder this image today as we reflect that in our lives. You know, one of the things that's fascinating about John 10 is that Jesus is using it to describe himself as the good shepherd, as a shepherd. And he uses that analogy to discuss the idea of him being the door for the sheep. And he talks about those that had come before him being thieves and robbers. And how uh, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? But he came to give him life. See, the reason why he is providing open doors for us is because he came to give us life. Life. You guys ever read The Pilgrim's Progress? If you went to Christian school, you read The Pilgrim's Progress. <laughs> um, or you were homeschooled. You had to read The Pilgrim's Progress. In probably seven languages, right? Um, but the, in The Pilgrim's Progress, if you've never read it, um, you can get a more contemporary copy that might be easier to read. But it, it tells the story of Christian on his, on his journey to the celestial city. It's written by John Bunyan while he was in prison <laughs> um, for uh, being a Christian and for doing the work of ministry. And a lot of the verses that he quotes, he quoted by memory. It's a fascinating thing if you understand the dynamics of the book. But anyway, as Christian was feeling this drawing to the celestial city, he was walking out of the, the place of desolation that he was at, the, the, the place that he was living. And he was starting to walk towards his, on his journey of obedience to the Lord. And everybody around him started to, to plead for him to come back, to plead for him to, to, to turn around. Uh, and one of the things that it says that Christian did is that he plugged his ears. And as everybody was yelling and pleading with him to turn back around to the life of destruction that he was living, he closed his ears and he said, Life! Life! Eternal life! And he kept running all the more. Because he was convinced that in order for him to experience new life, he needed to walk towards that celestial city. For you and I to experience the victory that God has for us this year, today, we need to walk through the open door that God is providing for us. Amen. That comes through Jesus. And so I want to pray with you for a few moments. And I want us to reflect on these truths today. That Jesus is standing at the door, right? He even says, I stand at the door and knock. You open the door, I'll come in. And I'll spend time with you. I'll protect you. I'm the one that will give you rest. I'm the one that connects heaven and earth back together. I'm the one that gives you the privilege to boldly come down to the throne of grace. To partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus is the one that gives us that access. As we come, we pray this morning for a few moments. Lord, we thank you today that we can have freedom, that we can have victory. And we recognize that you have made that possible through Jesus Christ our Lord. We know he lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one God, now and forever. But we can walk in victory today, Lord, we know because of him. Lord, we thank you that he came to set the captives free and he empowered us to go and if continue to fulfill that mission to do the work of the kingdom. And so God, would you help us today to have the courage to step into the season that you're calling us to step into. Lord, to walk the path, the journey of obedience that you've called us to walk in, God. Lord, may you help us today to not lose sight or grow weary today. To not get discouraged when we miss the mark, but we all fall short. Lord, help us to pick up ourselves and to let your word encourage us and let this, those around us whom you have placed in our lives to hold us accountable, to pick us back up and to let us to continue to walk this journey of obedience. 
and to let your Holy Spirit continue to move in our lives. Lord, we're sorry for the times we've missed the mark. We're sorry for the times where we've lost sight of the truth. And we've not walked in victory, Lord, but we've walked in defeat instead. We've walked in misery instead. We've walked in destruction instead, Lord. Lord, help us to recognize that you're calling us to step into this open door. You're calling us to walk towards the light, to walk in victory. You're offering us life today. Lord, may we receive that life today that we know only comes through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to have the courage today to walk through that open door. In this season of the open door, God, you are offering us victory today. So Lord, forgive us from the times we've messed up or we haven't loved you like we needed to or we haven't loved our neighbor and those around us that we needed to, Lord. Be with us today as we ponder these thoughts, Lord, and prepare our hearts to receive today your truth and your life, to receive your victory today, to receive healing today. Lord, may you help us today to honor you And Lord, as we are drawn together by You, Lord, help us to be drawn to each other. Help us to walk in unity today. And help us to establish the communion of saints that You have provided for us. That we can walk together being one in You and one with You. So Lord, help us today as we prepare our hearts and take time to exchange a word of greeting, a word of peace, a word of grace to each other to unite together so that as we come down here, Lord, we will be of one accord, one mind, ready to receive of You, Lord, to experience Your presence and Your power to receive victory today. We thank You, Lord, for Jesus. It's in His mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we do that this morning? Can we just take a few moments uh, and you guys uh, just greet one another this morning before we... uh, partake of communion together today. Yeah, right now, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today for the privilege, Lord, of fellowship, to be able to share communion with each other, Lord, that we are one in you and one with you, that we can celebrate today the memorial of our redemption, that we can partake today of the bread of heaven, the cup of salvation, Lord, that Jesus spoke of when He challenged those who were chasing after the miracles and chasing after the effects of being in the God's presence. He said, no, I am the bread of life. And Lord, many walked away because it was too hard of a message. Which is why our Lord challenged His disciples and said, are you going to leave me too? And Lord, your words uh, that spoke through Peter rang true when he said, where else can we go? You are the very words of life. Lord, we thank you today that we can come down to this table, that we can partake together. We pray, Lord, today as we reflect on these truths that you would sanctify and consecrate, Lord, these cups, Lord, and this bread, Lord, to be for us, your people, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would sanctify our hearts to receive it today. And that we would do so with humility and thankfulness in our hearts for the gifts that we have been given. And Lord, may we reflect on that by praying one last time together, Lord, in this moment. The words that You have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 Would you all come this morning? We're going to have some help me this morning in, in preparing these elements. Mel, if you want to come this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 I'm thankful this morning that we can remember what the Lord has done for us. Remember that on the night that He was betrayed, He broke bread and He gave thanks to it to His disciples saying, do this in remembrance of Me. And when He took the cup, He did the same thing. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is My blood broken for you, shed for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And so we remember today what the Lord has done for us going to provide you an opportunity to come down here and partake together. Um, what I'd like to do before I invite you to come down is I'd like to serve those who are going to serve you this morning. And uh, If you haven't been here with us before, or it's been a while, uh, I'd love to greet you and to uh, offer you the, the bread of heaven. And then uh, Melissa and Heather um, are going to offer you uh, the cup of salvation. And they're also going to have a little cup a little bowl, nice little bowl that they're going to have in their other hand. Uh, that if you want to go ahead and, and, and drink the cup, you can place the cup in this bowl. Um, and then uh, Joseph and Selena and Diana are going to be available to pray with you if you need prayer for anything. Uh, we want you to know that uh, we, we want to take time for that. And so uh, they're going to be able to pray with you. And, and I'll be available to pray with you if we, as we get done serving everyone. But we don't want to rush through this. Uh, Diana told me uh, that you guys have done it again, that we have two tables full of food in there. Right? Amen. But for me, this is the most important bread you're going to eat today. And so this is what's most important. Everything else is just the excess, the overflow of being in God's presence, right? But this is the bread of life today. And so, Lord, would you be present today in the breaking of our bread as you were the night you were you broke it with your disciples. And may you be with us. And may your presence and your Holy Spirit empower us today to walk out of here in victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you give me a moment to serve those today, Joseph? Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.